Not Just Rainbows and Unicorns, a podcast made with love in Kalamazoo, Michigan by Nicole and Michael Van Putten. We take topics that we find interesting and we get together and we talk about them on the weekends. You can visit us online at notjustrainbows.net. There you can view show notes, add your comments, and send us your suggestions for future episodes. Bet you can't guess what I'm going to say next. Um, nope. Nope, I can't guess. My line is, happy podcast day, Nicole. Oh, yep. That's what I was going to guess. If anything, I'm... I'm a predictable lad. Yep. Well, you've got my number at least. I do. Where do you think all these sayings come from? You've got my number. All of that. Somebody said them once and they caught on. Yeah, that could be. I was listening to a podcast earlier this week about energy and safety and things like that. And they were talking about... Um, oven ranges that are gas and that there's a lot of thought that there's a lot of negative health implications of having an oven range that cooks with gas of like carcinogens, other bad stuff that could harm you. And the podcast went a little bit into the history of, you know, how, how did it become popular and in particular, where did the phrase cooking with gas come from? Was that an old episode? Yeah, it probably was an old episode. I've just started to catch back up. I've been walking Henry in the morning and in the evening, and that actually has given me some time to listen to podcasts again. So I've been catching up. I think it was a, a relatively recent episode, but I can't tell you for certain if it was or not. Yeah, the worry about gas stoves was a while ago. Actually... According to the podcast, it is something that has come up lots of times. And part of the reason why it goes away, according to the research that they did, was that the natural gas industry does a lot of lobbying uh, to downplay the concerns. And evidently, there are some legitimate concerns. I mean, that's, you know, news. It comes, it goes, whatever. Um, but the phrase, you're cooking with gas... You've heard that phrase, right? Now you're cooking with gas, as in like a positive, good thing. Yeah, my dad says that. That is a phrase that was planted by natural gas marketing back in like the 20s or 30s. Hmm. And they got people to use it in a positive light in uh, radio dramas, in cartoons and everything, and it caught on. They wanted to associate gas being better, more premium, which if you think by today's standards, a lot of people feel strongly that gas-powered ranges are like the elite way to do cooking, the right way to do cooking. Yeah. I know a lot of people prefer a gas stove. I do not. I like electric. I do like the tick, tick, tick when you uh, like ignite the flame. <laughs> that's that's a crucial part of cooking. I the like no the fire the noise, part of it. The noise. Yeah. Um, and the reason I bring this up is I, I was looking through the show notes with you when we were like getting ready to start recording here and was like, oh, okay, I've got these topics. And I noticed a theme, a theme of the topics today, Nicole. I was, I was observant with my skills. Uh, okay. So what's this episode going to be about for the most part? Uh, dogs. Right. So the first thing that popped into my head was the phrase, gone to the dogs. 
You're familiar yeah. with that phrase? Yes. Do you think that's a positive or a negative phrase? Gone to the dogs. I this has really I've, gone to the dogs. I've never really thought about it. Usually it's associated with not a good thing. And I'm thinking, you know, we love dogs. Dogs are life. I work for a company that dogs are like family. Like, who came up with this thing of something has gone to the dogs? So as I sat here preparing fastidiously to press the record button, I did a search for where the phrase came from. And according to WikiHow, which, you know, that has to be a legit academic peer-reviewed research source, right? Yes. They say that gone to the dogs may date back to the 16th century. That's how long that phrase has been around, since the 16th century. That's a huh. lot of years. Yeah. Um, and they say there's, there's two different schools of thought, at least according to their research. People would throw food that wasn't fit to eat to their dogs, and the phrase caught on as a way to say something was rotten or not as good as it had been, as if, you know, you dogs aren't as picky about things. Um, and some people argue that the phrase came from China, where outcasts had to compete with the dogs for scraps of food. Good Lord. Which is just like these, you know, it's phrases that we just kind of say in passing lightheartedly, and some of them I'm sure are regional in the United States. Some of them probably you know, are unheard of in the UK or other places. And it just, you know, these are the types of things that my brain thinks about in the 30 seconds before I'm about to press the record button and start the podcast. Well, okay then. So happy podcast day, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, our cadence seems to be a podcast every other week and I would kind of love it to be weekly, but I actually am okay with and appreciate that we well, sometimes it's every week, but we've been a we've little... We've been busy. We've been busy. And, and so to be kind to ourselves on the weekend and to say, it's okay to be lazy and play video games. Well, I, I You're not lazy. You yeah. play video games, but I'm lazy and I play video games. I don't think that we're lazy on the weekend. I think that there's a lot of stuff to do. And I think as the leaves start to fall, I think there might be some every other weeks that don't even happen then because we will have leaf removal and... It's gonna. Well, it's going is, to get busier. This is an opportunity for us to invest in some wireless microphones, and we could record episodes while we're raking leaves. I don't know how well that would work because the the leaf mulcher is so loud. Well, that's why I said while we're raking leaves, not while we're mulching leaves. The but mulcher, we don't really rake. We you blow leaves, and I just stand there and pretty much observe. <laughs> We could also do an episode entirely powered by AI and tell it, make up a podcast for us, and we can just have our listeners listen to that. That might, yeah. We would what have if it to was better than our that. episodes? Yeah, we would have to preview that before we aired it. Yeah, I don't know about that. I would, I would find it a little intimidating if the AI did a better job of banter and things than, than me. I, I, I don't think that you would care. You'd be like, no, mm. whatever. So if Mr. Chat wants to do a better job than me, more power to him. Yeah. Whatever. You've been getting a lot of alerts this week, I noticed. What's going on there? Um, I have a identity thief. Someone is trying to live my life in a different and more, not more interesting way, just 
Someone is trying to live my life. So someone has good taste. Not good taste, but just different taste. And they're trying to purchase things with my identity. What kind of and, stuff are they buying? Um, f- well, lately it's been furniture. And how do you know this? Because I get the emails alerting me that, thank you for putting all this furniture in your shopping cart and applying to buy it at our store. I'm not going to oh, name. So I'm not going to like trying to uh, apply for a loan using your information and right. I'm not going to buy. Well, yeah. Did you even like know what furniture store they're at? Yeah. Cause I get the emails from the stores. Is this like Ikea or is this someplace else? It's other places. I'm not going to name the stores, but yeah. Well, it's, it's not the store's fault. I'm just curious where identity thieves like to shop for. It's stores. It's furniture stores. And it's a lot of money worth of furniture. It's been one store. It was over two twenty five hundred dollars worth of furniture. And another store, I think it was there was a bedroom set that was a thousand, and there was another living room thing that was like nine hundred. It's been quite a bit of furniture. But what the weird thing is, is I get the emails. So one of the stores, I was able to go in there and put my email in and just say I lost my password. And they reset the password. So they're is, actually using yeah, your actual email yeah, address. Yeah, they're using my email. Which that doesn't seem that smart. I know. It doesn't make any sense at all. But they're using my email, and I don't know if they're using... I don't know what's going on. I, I don't understand the the logic behind this, but they've also used my social security number to try to open accounts because I've gotten notices from banks, like legitimate banks, saying the account that you've tried to open, the savings account, checking account, has been denied because I froze my credit a long time ago when this first started happening. Um, the first time it started, the first time it happened, it was denied because my credit score is so bad. I don't have a credit score because I don't, have, law. I don't have credit because I don't have any credit cards. I don't have any loans. I don't have any debt. So I don't have any credit. So my credit score sucks. And so I was not approved for the accounts, which is great. I was, that actually worked in my favor. But I I don't understand why this person is using my email because everything comes to me. It doesn't make sense. This this is either the worst criminal in the world or I don't know. I don't know what the, the point is. Well, oftentimes once your personal information is used for identity theft. It's essentially in databases that are bought and sold online. Yeah. Uh, and part of me wonders if they're not actually buying furniture that they have found a way online to submit a request and it's a way to test to verify if they can actually get approved for something or not. So it's a way to verify that it's a working identity that can be used for yeah. whatever they do. Maybe. Well, so anyway, I've been getting these emails and just to let everyone know, if you are not looking at your credit reports just to see what's going on, if you're not checking in on your identity, you definitely need to be doing that. It's free. You don't have to pay anything, but you should also consider because of the world we live in today, freezing your credit, even if you are not having issues with identity theft. It's free to do. It's so easy. 
To freeze your credit, you just go to the different credit bureaus, Experian, TransUnion, and it takes, after you set up the account, it takes like 15 seconds because you just literally push a button that has a little snowflake on it that says, freeze my credit. It's so easy. And then in order to take out a a loan or to have your credit run to get a new account or anything, you have to approve that situation to happen. So no one can steal your identity. It's a good system and it does work because Michael and I had our credit frozen and we went to refinance our mortgage and they could not do anything. The guy went to run Michael's credit and he called me and he says, well, we can't do any, we can't run your credit because it says it's unavailable. And it dawned on me it was unavailable because Michael's credit was frozen. It hadn't gone on holiday. Yeah. So I unfroze it, which is super easy too. You just log in and you click the snowflake button and it unfreezes it and it happens instantaneously. It's so easy. It's instant unfreeze and the bank ran Michael's credit and then he called me back and I froze it again. It's so simple. So that's all it was. So our credit is frozen. So in order for anyone to run my credit, they have to let me know first. Michael's is the same way. It's just something you might want to think about. You can read about it. I put a link in our show notes to a financial website that I use, and it's got some good advice there. It kind of makes sense to make it so that you have control like that, that the only time that it would be open is when you know yourself that you're getting an auto loan or a home loan or a credit card that you haven't had before or something like that. Just don't leave yourself open the other 364 days of the year. Yeah, and if you use credit cards a lot, and you are not checking your statements, you really should be checking your statements. I log into our bank account probably three times a day, and I look at all of the information coming in, and I double check and make sure everything there is legitimate because that's the only financial stuff that we have as our bank. But if we were doing things with other like credit cards and stuff, you... I guarantee you I would be making sure that all the charges were legitimate. I make sure because it's our money and, you know, we worked hard for it. So I want to make sure that we're keeping track of where it's going and what's happening. Do you talk to the credit report when you're checking it? Well, no. What? Well, it just I've been watching stuff where people kind of dialogue and like it, I've seen sometimes where you're like, talking to the coffee maker or thinking out loud. I was just curious. I was imagining the scene of you checking the credit report. If before you go to the website, whether you do anything like, all right, credit, let's see what shape you're in. Well, I mean, probably, but I mean, my credit score is terrible. Your credit score is great. So I mean, I check our credit reports every six months. I mean, it doesn't change because we really, I mean, there's nothing on there. We're it's not just, making the type of purchases or using the type of payment methods where one would establish that. Yeah. Right now, our credit reports just say 
nothing. They literally say nothing. We have nothing on there. So it's very, very boring. I did find it interesting. Again, a podcast that I listened to a while back. It was a speech given at Google by the man who the movie Catch Me If You Can was based on. So the guy who stole identities, did check fraud <laughs> and, and things like that. And he said some of the advice that he gives to his kids is that they should never have a debit card. They should only use a credit card because the difference between the two is that there's protection with credit cards. You can contest a charge and essentially not pay it if it is something that is stolen. Whereas with a debit transaction, it is way harder to get the money back once it's away. It was just his point of view of safety things to do. Um, and I know that there was, I don't know, some other person online that cares a lot about privacy and things like that. And they talked about some of these newer credit card services online. I'm sure debit cards probably have it too, where you can create a temporary credit card so that your actual credit card is never kept on file. It's a, it's a number made just for that one transaction that you're doing. I, now I remember it. It was somebody who was complaining about subscription services and like gym memberships where you have to give literally written writing notice to say cancel my membership or they'll automatically renew you for a year and the comment thread was about how you can use these temporary credit card numbers to be able to have an extra level of control it's not something that we necessarily use but i thought it was interesting and somewhat related to the topic of credit and identity theft and things like that yeah, I um I don't usually like to keep our debit card on file with companies. I know that you don't mind doing that, but I don't I don't like when they when you check out with someone and they're like, "Oh, do you want to save your debit card in our system?" I never do that. It makes me a little weary because if that company's site gets hacked or invaded, then your information is. Well, that's why I mentioned that other alternative. It's it's the idea of you. they never have your credit card number. They only have that temporary number for that one transaction. It's like a higher level of control. Granted, every single time you buy something with your credit card, you'd have to manually type the number in. But it was an interesting trick to some extent. You, you'd think maybe that might even work for identity theft of people who are stealing credit card numbers of there isn't a credit card number to steal because a random one is made each and every time for a transaction. Yeah, that sounds a little too technical, though. I just put my debit card number in and then just don't save it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the beautiful thing. There's a lot of different ways to get things done. But um, evidently, we're both aware of or listening to things related to finance and payment options and identity theft and things like that because we both have encountered some things about that in the past couple of weeks. Yep, you gotta keep track of your money. Which brings us to our next question. In, you know, thinking about the excellent episode that we had interviewing our world's most amazing vet, Nicole, what kind of dog would you be? Well, first of all, why this question is there because... Uh, this episode is going to be about dogs. I know we just 
rambled on about identity theft. That was just the appetizer and for the dog gas, episode. Gas stoves for a while, but we really know how to tease people's interest. Yeah, this is just going to be about dogs. So if you don't want to hear about dogs, just I don't know, go find something else to do with your life. Go find one of our episodes where we don't talk about dogs. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> Well, there is one episode that's like, this episode's not about dogs. That's probably a safe one for yeah. people who are like, I can't listen to another dog podcast. <laughs> yeah, I can't sorry. do it. It's just life around here. I was on the internet, which I very often am, and I kept getting these quizzes that came up and like on TikTok and stuff and just people talking about what kind of dog they would be. And it made me think about Celie and her being a golden retriever and stuff. So I was thinking, well, what kind of dog would I be if I was a a dog? And I was like, I, I don't even know. I have no idea. So I typed in, what kind of dog would I be if I was a dog? Well, there were a lot of quizzes, a lot, because apparently this is a question people ask. A lot. Did not know this. Now, did you answer all of the questions honestly to the best of your ability? Yeah. Why would I lie? Well, just to see if you could come out as a different dog, maybe. No. That's like if you really weird. wanted to come out as a pug, you're like, how would a pug answer these questions? Why would I want to be a pug? That's no. just as an example. So I took the quiz on BuzzFeed, which, you know, they're top of the line news. And I got a Shiba Inu, which makes sense because they're very individualistic dogs. Let's okay, just say now you said it. It wasn't me. Um, the BBC has a a quiz, and I got that I would be a mutt, which also makes sense. And Embark has a test, and they said I would be a bulldog. So hold on. You got to go back to the BBC for a second. So Shiba Inu, because of independence... A mutt because... I just think they put me in a category of I have no friggin' idea what kind of dog you would be. They didn't give you any kind of explanation of mutts are known to search for dog quizzes on BBC or something like that? No, I think it was just you would be a mutt because mutts are one of everything. You know, you're, you're you're just a dog. Congratulations. We don't really know what you are. Mutts are the best breed ever. I think probably a lot of people get mutt. Yeah. Um, Embark said bulldog, and bulldogs are tough and independent. And, you know, I think most people get one of four breeds, and happy people get golden retrievers. Independent people people get get, Shiba Inu. Yeah. um, You're going to either be a a golden, a Shiba, a mutt, or a bulldog. It's those four, and that's it. Or a Labrador, or an Australian Shepherd, or Border Collie. So seven different types, not four. Yeah. So, But if you want to take a quiz about what kind of dog breed you would be, you can either Google it or come to the show notes, and I've got links to three quizzes, and you can see what three kind of dog breeds you would be. There How you go. in depth were these quizzes? Was it like five I mean, minutes or like? No, it. I mean, it's not like an hour long, you know, psychological profile. It's just, I mean, it's huge pictures and stuff. It's BuzzFeed, first of all, and Embark is just a fun thing. It's very quick. So the first question on BuzzFeed is, it's Friday night. What are your plans? And it says party time nightcap sitting at home clubbing netflix binge 
Another OkCupid date, dinner with your fab friend snoozing or a hot photo shoot. Which did you pick? I don't remember. Probably, I I don't remember. Some of them it was hard for me to answer because first of all, I have a hard time choosing. Secondly, if it isn't the exact correct answer of what I would be doing, I don't know. So I would say that honestly, probably sitting at home or Netflix binge would describe both of us. I'm going to select Netflix binge because I want to see what kind of dog it thinks I am. Second question is how would you describe your body? We've got small and athletic, tall, very thin, muscular, thick with two C's, Jersey Shores, Polly D, perfect, short and curvy, or I literally never think about this. Now, I would expect you to think I literally never, that is never what think I, about this. That's what I chose because why, why would you think about that? Why is that something that you would even consider? What type of body you have? Yeah. Why? Unless you're measuring it for pants. Make sure a shirt fits. Yeah, why would it be something you need to describe? I don't know. It's a body. It holds your bones. Which one would I choose? And your blood inside. I'm here to choose this, but I'm not sure which one I would think. I don't know. Do you need to describe it to somebody? It's skin, hair, and... I'm going to choose thick. Because I'm, I'm not like super <laughs> big, but I'm, I'm husky. This is a riveting podcasting here. Now, next one is please pick a color. And there's a whole bunch of them. I'm going to pick blue because blue is the best color. I, I chose black. What would the name of your memoir be? Just friends, a love story, eat love and eat more. Oh, God, do I need to um, <laughs> read any more? I'm just going to select that. <laughs> What's your go-to dance move? The shimmy, twerking, judging everyone from the corner. <laughs> that was mine. <laughs> The robot, the cha-cha slide, the shopping cart, which I guess I can kind of imagine what that would be. All about the fist pump, grinding, and aggressive voguing. I think probably I would have to go with the robot. The robot is probably what I would... I mean, I wouldn't actually dance that, but... Kind of interested to see what dog you're going to get now. Uh, What kind of exercise do you prefer? Yoga, throwing around a ball. Now, throwing around a ball, that would be Mina. She would be like, pick that one, sign me up. Yeah. Um, sprints, whatever the hottest new trend is. Ha ha ha. <laughs> That's what I chose. Running around excitedly. <laughs> Sex, opening the door for delivery, and I'm a gym rat. So there really isn't an in-between here. Yeah, that's why I chose ha ha ha. Hmm. Well, if I, I mean, obviously any male is going to choose sex because, you know, but like, I don't really consider that exercise sex as its own thing. I'm going to choose yoga because it doesn't have walking and it doesn't have bike riding or rowing. Uh, pick an author. Nicholas Starks, Toni Morrison, uh, Amiri Baraka, which I don't know, Sylvia Plath, Isabel Allendale, Susan Collins, David Sedaris, Albert Camus, or the internet. I don't read books. Well, of these choices, I would probably choose the internet. I don't read books. But it's not because I don't read books. It's because of these choices, I'm much more an internet person. Yeah, I I either was going to choose between David Sedaris and the internet. And I ended up choosing the internet because, you know. At one point in time, I would have considered picking David Sedaris. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Based on the things that I heard from him on podcasts, I'm like, okay, I like him. Yep. Have we talked about the time that we went no, to the but local let's state sh- theater? We'll, we'll, do, we'll break that down to talk about later because this is, show is going to be five hours long. Yeah. Yeah. We aren't fans of David Sedaris anymore. <laughs> I still like the concept of him, but his live show, 
not our cup of tea, which is really disappointing. Though I would say, like oh my, adult gonna, humor and things like that. Anyway. Who's who's the the uh, white comedian <laughs> who does like the angry, like oh, he's he's older and he's like an angry man all the time. He used to be on like the Daily Show. I don't. Know. I often say Jack Black, but I know it's not Jack Black. Lewis. Lewis Black. Yeah, I like him. I would choose him if he was on the, the list. Which pop star do you identify with? Beyonce, Cher, Taylor Swift, Robin, Rihanna, Britney Spears. I simply can't choose one, Lord and Selena Gomez. Now, the first complaint that I have about this is, is they didn't put, yeah. All of these pop stars identify as women. There's I would say they There's they no males. They didn't put a pop stars. Why do we have pop stars? I don't even the, listen to music. The one that I would choose would be Justin Timberlake. Okay, see, the one that I would choose is I don't even like music. Yes, I know I'm a crazy person. I don't like music. I like Britney Spears' old stuff. I like some of what Lord has done. This has now turned into Michael I takes simply Buzzfeed can't quizzes. choose one. I think it's I simply <laughs> can't choose one because I like pop music a lot, and I know that you just are into other stuff. What's your biggest pet peeve? Taking off food off my plate chatterboxes pretentious people pimple poppers yuck the patriarchy being a meanie chipped nail polish judgmental people and having pet peeves i'm gonna say judgmental people i i'm i'm not into judgmental people finally how would your friends describe you artistic larger than life introverted adorable needy comforting funny loyal or high maintenance how would you Describe me, Nicole. I needy? <laughs> <laughs> yep, needy. All right, we'll select that. I would like to be artistic, but what are you going to do? All right, so. You got I a know, lab. I got a lab. Yep. You don't have a bad bone in your body. Sure, you can be a bit messy and come on a little strong, but what's the point in keeping your feelings to yourself? You're extremely loyal and all of your friends feel lucky to have you in their lives that is an accurate description yeah of you, me. you are like the human version of lulu and i'm guessing that i would it would be fun to run through this to get all the permutations to see what they write for each because it's probably this is horoscope writing where yeah they write it so it's always positive at the same time that's me good job buzzfeed okay now that we've listened to michael take a dog buzzfeed quiz <laughs> we're going to learn about how old your dog is but spoiler alert it's not time seven the dog aging project which we've is, talked no, about wait, you gotta say this is how old your dog is in human years right it's not just in yeah. general how old your dog is yeah it's in human years it's not time seven of the current dog age the current age your dog is you're saying this time seven is fake news it is fake news oh man so the dog aging project studied labradors interestingly enough and figured out a calculation on how to decide how to decide i'm guessing how to figure out how how would you calculate this if you were going to try to figure this out i don't know it's a math equation and you, could you take can the, you the, can convert your dog's age into 
to human years. So if you like put... It probably would vary by dog, wouldn't it? It does vary by breed, but dogs age faster when they're puppies and then the aging slows down as they get older. So Clem, we think, is between 12 and 14. I think she's a little bit older. So 13. Let's say she's 13. If you put 13 in there, she's 72 years old. Um, She's a sweet old lady. Hank, we think, is about between one and two. So if you put one in there and calculate it, he's 31 years old. I would say he acts 18. So there is a whole article that I've linked um, on the Smithsonian website about why the dog's age does not equal that. And then there's a calculator linked on the um, the science.org website about the the chemistry of it and the the whole chemistry i think it would be all biology but okay these scientists um on the dog aging project and the lifespan and all that jazz so it's very interesting and if you want to know how old your dog might be because i'm not going to enter all the ages and read them aloud that would be ridiculous (laughs) now i feel inspired to do that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. So that's the age of dogs. So it's not seven years. It's not seven years. Is it ever more than seven or is it usually less than seven, would you say? I don't know. I mean, if Hank is 31 and he's about one, that's more than seven. It's kind of cool that Clem's age and his age almost add up to 100. <laughs> yes, that is very interesting. That's kind of a satisfying combination of numbers. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so there you go. Uh, so the next topic we have is uh, bathing a dog. Pretty much the next topics we're going to talk about is taking care of your dog. Um, we've talked about this a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. We had Louie, my parents' dog here, and Louie is a lab, and labs are notorious for skin problems. They just, pretty much if you have a lab, congratulations, you have a dog with skin problems. Well, that's where the BuzzFeed thing got things wrong, didn't it? Because it said I was a lab. Hmm. BuzzFeed. um, Labradors just... They've got issues. They've got ear problems. They've got skin problems. Just They just have them. So it's a dermatitis issue, and it just happens. It probably is allergies, and um, the way that we handle it with Louie is we have a, a shampoo, and I just gave him a few baths with the shampoo, and he's not altogether excited about the baths but they work and if you give it to him every couple of days and then once a week it really fixes the problem and what it is is it's oily coat and very 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 dry skin it's the weirdest combination is it It, that brand that we currently are favoring it's duoxo oh a different one yeah it's but it works. It really does. It's not a prescription. We do have a prescription shampoo that we've been using for Hank for his allergic skin. And that works really well too. But 
if you have a dog with allergic problems on their skin, your vet can give you a prescription shampoo. Unfortunately, the regimen for that is multiple baths in a row. So it's usually like two baths a week for a few weeks and then one bath a week. It's a pain, but it does work. It really does. You just, you got to tough it out. You just have to do it because the itching will turn into hot spots, which will turn into infections, which will just get worse and ear infections and yeast infections and you just got to take care of them. You do. Thankfully, Hank is very, he's not like super excited for baths, but he's, he's like the most tolerant yeah. of baths of all of the dogs. And he, he doesn't like Clem is tolerant, but she looks the, like the saddest, most depressed dog when she's in the tub. She, yeah. She puts she, her sad face on and yeah. she looks like she's mourning the loss of cookies that somehow went uneaten or something of that sort. Yeah. The look on her face is like she has been kidnapped. Like she her she gets the Australian Shepherd eyes. Like she's been kidnapped and she's been being held for ransom. <laughs> so it's not fun to give her a bath. But Hank is pretty agreeable. So... Yeah. yeah, Hank is very laid back. We've had dogs who try to fight us like small bears. We have had ones that want to jump out, ones that will do everything they can to not go in. All of those strategies fail ultimately because they all get baths. But I, I think the, an interesting point with this is that a lot of people probably don't go to the extent that you do in order to figure out what kind of shampoo their dog needs for their specific coat or condition. Yeah, the um, the Duoxo shampoo is really, really nice, and you just have to stick with it. You really, really do. Oh, sirens. Um, I like how when there have been sirens, occasionally you, you tell our dogs, they're coming to put you in puppy jail or something like that. No, Hank has been really curious about the sirens because, you know, this is the first time he's lived inside. He does perk up when there have been fire engines or ambulances that pass up on the main road when we're out early in the morning walking. He His ears perk up and he really cranes his neck and looks. He's really curious about it. So he'll stick his head up into the window. And so I told him that that's the, the puppy police and they're coming to take his cookies away. <laughs> <laughs> and when the sirens stop, I'll say, see, they just stopped at somebody's house and they're, they're taking all the cookies away. From Didn't that you dog. say the first time that you told him that, that he actually reacted to that? Yeah. He looked, he kept looking at me and looking out the window. Like he's like looking at me like, what is happening? Like, no, don't allow it. Yeah, he was very upset, but it was just because the sirens and he was wondering what was going on. He's never lived in a house before. All the sounds are new to him. So, And he lived out in the country where there probably wasn't as many sirens and as far as we know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, bathe your dog. When you are done bathing your dog, important thing, because a lot of people do not dry their dog off. It's important. Dry your dog off. I know it seems stupid, but... Why does it matter? Um, if you don't dry your dog off thoroughly, first of all, ear infections, dry their head off. Secondly, um, they will stink. A dry dog is a not smelly dog. If you let their coat air dry, it's going to smell. 
hmm. I don't know the science behind it, but if you dry them off with either a towel or a dryer, it just they will smell better. They really will. I have a dryer that I use that um, both of our dogs tolerate pretty well. Clem loves the dryer. She actually will jump out of the bathtub for a senior arthritic dog. She's pretty quick about it. She'll jump out of the bathtub and she loves the dryer. And she'll allow me to dry her for as long as I want to. And um, yeah, we'll get her very, very thoroughly dry. But if you don't dry them, their coat will smell. So you really have to dry them thoroughly. Have you gotten tips like this from researching online or is there like influencers online that you think are worth people checking out when it comes to bathing, grooming, things like that? There's a couple of groomers on TikTok and YouTube. There's Girl with the Dogs and the there's a person called Logan who they're both groomers and they just groom dogs and they you can just watch them groom dogs but they share tricks and tips of their how they do it and everything and have i ever watched either of these with you yes you've watched girl with the dogs ah it's it's the one that is somewhat uh irresistible like power washing porn almost where she takes these dogs and they look fabulous at the end yeah yep so and she talks to the dogs while she's grooming them yeah she does a good job um, the next thing you should have is uh, proper tools to brush your dog. If you are not brushing your dog, you're doing yourself a disservice. I know a lot of people complain, oh, my dog sheds all the time. My hair, my house is covered in hair. You got to brush your dog. That's why your house is covered in hair. We have two Australian shepherds who, sh- who, don't shed because I brush them every day. And our house is, I mean, it could be covered in a lot more hair. It really could be. You have to have the proper tools. We use, I use a slicker brush, an undercoat rake, and a greyhound comb. If you have a dog with a very, very short coat, like a lab, you should use something called a zoom groom, which is a like a silicone brush and Kong, the like the brand that does the toy, puts out the best Zoom Groom. And when you're buying these tools, you're going to see a bunch of different options. And I have purchased a lot of these tools. And you're going to think, oh, well, I don't want to spend $72 on a brush. Just spend the $72 and you will thank yourself later because if you buy the cheaper version you're just going to have to buy it again and again how good are the instructions that come with these as to how to use the brush properly because all of these are like different shapes and sizes and I imagine there has to be technique in terms of how you use them properly there are no instructions what do you mean you just brush the dog So there aren't brushes that have to be used in a very particular way, like the undercoat rake versus the slicker brush, like brush against the grain, don't brush against the grain, things like that. I would just Google it. I mean, I don't think you should ever 
brush against the grain. The undercoat rake you use on dogs who have an undercoat. Like if you have a doodle, I would never use an undercoat rake. I would use the Greyhound comb and a slicker brush. You always want to make sure that you can get down to the skin on a dog. If you can't get down to the skin, that means your dog is matted. There are different brushes and tools for every type of dog. You should be brushing your dog every day, especially if you have a doodle dog or a poodle, especially. Is it fair to say if people are dealing with snags or things like that, that like pulling really hard on the brush is not the way to go? Correct. You can, there are brushes made to break up mats, but if you have a, if you're brushing every day, you should not be running into mats. And then your dogs are extra fluffy and cuddly. Yeah, it's, I know it's a pain, but I mean, it's your responsibility. (laughs) And the dog's going to be more comfortable. Imagine like if you had a bunch of gnats and stuff in your own head, how that would start to feel not so great. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. People are like, I don't have time to brush my dog every day. Well, I, I mean. How long does it take? To brush both of our dogs, maybe like 10 minutes, less than 10 minutes. It doesn't take very long at all. So those people must be really busy. Yeah, probably. I think that it takes them a long time because they don't do it very often. And so it takes them a while because... Lots of fighting with the dog to to do it because it's never been made a positive thing. Yeah. And if your dog doesn't like brushing, you have to start slow and get them used to it. I mean, when Hank first came to live here, he hated, 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 hated being brushed. He would bite. He really, really hated it. But now he loves it. He just lays down and goes to sleep. Hmm. Yeah. You make a lot of this sound very easy. Well, you've got to practice. Got to get used to stuff. Now, this next section would probably be Frank's uh, favorite part. Yeah, feeding. We had to cut chicken out of Henry's diet because we don't know if he has an allergy. So we have started feeding him a pork-based food. And I think it's going pretty well. He really enjoys it. He eats so fast, we had to start feeding him out of a slow feeding bowl which he does pretty well with I think the bowl itself is a pain for me because you have to load the food in every day and then wash it when he's done he eats I would say without the slow feeder bowl I would say it takes him about 10 seconds (laughs) to eat a bowl of food he is very, very quick. Yeah. He might even be faster than Franklin was yeah. at his top speed. He can gulp down, a, and he eats a cup. He eats a cup of food twice a day. So he can he can gulp it down in about 10, and I'm not joking, 10 seconds. And then with the slow feeder bowl, it probably takes him a minute. So it does slow him down. Not probably. He's so, not savoring each bite. Yeah. I tried putting the slow feeder bowl on top of his raised bowl and that works, but you have to hold it for him and 
I don't know. So he I likes just, it when you hold the bowl for him. I've done he that does. for him a couple times. He does enjoy that. He likes you to be right in his face with him. <laughs> he he enjoys the company, but I've just started to put it on the floor. He's fine. It's totally fine. I'll um, have to keep that in mind the next time I feed them. Yeah, you just put it on the floor and he's okay. Um, he uh, Both of our... Clem and Hank get supplements, and if you don't use supplements for your dogs, it's not necessary, but you might want to consider it. We do, as everyone knows, we do uh, probiotic, prebiotic, and we do joint supplement, and we do a an anti-anxiety supplement, so... We just think that these supplements are important. Gut health is the most important thing in our house. After we dealt with Mina, we will never, ever, ever, ever have a dog ever again who we do not treat gut health as the most important thing in our house ever. It is, above all, the most important. So if you're not taking care of your dog's gut, you are doing them a disservice, in our opinion. Word. Yeah. Um, we'll still allow you to listen to the podcast, but yeah, we're digitally judging you right now. Yes, we totally are. Um, we could peer pressure them too. Come on, y'all. Take care of your dogs. Be cool like us. Yeah. Um, Hank gets uh, car sickness medication when we go in the car. He gets... Uh, Dramamine, which works really, really well. If you have a dog who gets car sick, talk to your vet about it. It's over the counter, so it doesn't cost a million dollars. It's really inexpensive. And ask your vet about the dose because you can just buy adult Dramamine and give it to your dog. Give it to them like an hour before you go in the car. It works really, really, really well for dogs who get car sick due to anxiety or nerves or whatever it's been fantastic for henry really really great so we use that for him but we have cut out all chicken from his diet and he is doing much better we think so that you have seen that have a positive impact yes he is taking his allergy meds twice a day and I think that along with the diet change has has helped. He still is itchy, but I think that's, you know, he's getting better every day, getting better. We, they get treats. They get um, Zook's training treats and Stella and Chewy's super beef. We're trying very, very, very hard to keep the calories on the treats down because we... We've been needing to use a lot of treats with Henry to help him connect with his inner good boy. Yeah, we struggle with training. We don't struggle with training, but we have to use a lot of treats because training is important in our house. So I have to fit fit the treats into his daily caloric intake. So I've had to cut his amount of food down uh, twice. He was getting... Um, one and a half cups of food twice a day. And then he was getting one and a quarter cups of food twice a day. And now he's getting one cup of food twice a day so that he can have extra treats. 
So how, if you're, how many people actually are that aware of their dog's nutrition of how many calories they're giving their dog? Like, I'm not sure I ever was before I met you. I don't know. If you aren't paying attention to the calories your dog is getting, you can really overfeed the number of calories. It's really easy to do. Like the Zooks training treats, they're two calories each, but if you figure you give them, you know, 15 or 20 of them a day, that is a lot of calories. And we give Stella and Chewy super beef, which they like better, and those have 56 calories per quarter cup, which I don't even know how many calories there are in one little nugget. I'll have to figure that out. But, you know, the calories, they add up fast. And I don't want Henry to have weight issues because that can lead to joint problems and he does get a lot of exercise, but you got to do some calorie calculations. There are a lot of websites where you can calculate calories for your dog, especially if your dog is overweight. Just put in the food that you feed them and how many calories is in a cup and it'll help you decide how many calories they need per day. Or Gosh, ask your vet. Imagine if humans did that for themselves. Yeah, life would be a lot easier if someone else handled it all for you. Um, so treats, which leads us to training. Clem was kind of self-training when she came to live with us. She just kind of moved in and didn't really need a lot of training. We did a little bit of work with her with confidence because she got a little barky at people, which she still does, but it's barky in a friendly way. I would say she, yeah, she doesn't bark at people. She barks at other dogs. Yeah, she was. And she, she barks, she does kind of woof at people to try to get their attention. Right. She, she got barky at other dogs in a kind of a fearful way. And we worked with her with that. And now she's great with other dogs. And the people she barks at is more like, hey, come here. I want to say hi. It's her hello bark. It really is. And But the thing is, is people immediately hear a big dog barking at them and they are like, go to the other side of the street. They don't realize that it's just Clementine being friendly and happy and exuberant. We never had issues with Clem. She never chewed on anything. She never had issues with housebreaking. She never jumped up on the cat counters. She, she she really was easy. She was just Clem. She just was a great dog. Hank is a puppy, and so he jumps up. He barks. He bites. He won't come inside. He's just... He tests a lot of boundaries. Yeah. And, and he's inconsistent. Like, sometimes he'll, like, come running inside. Other times he's like, no, I'm sitting over here by this tree. Yeah. And so we're trying a bunch of different training stuff to kind of help guide him. Because he did spend the first however many months of his life living outside. He didn't live inside. So inside is new to him. So we're doing the training for him when he jumps up on us, which he's pretty much... This morning was not great for him, but 
yesterday was good. When he jumps up on us, we turn around and ignore him. And we wait for five seconds until he's calm. And he hates this. (laughs) It's like, oh, this sucks. He wants our attention more than anything in the world. So if we turn around and ignore him, he actually will start barking (laughs) to get our attention. So that five seconds starts over when he starts barking at us. So we ignore him until he is calm. And once he's calm, we turn around and we praise him and we pay attention to him. And he caught on pretty quickly. And yesterday he was great. He, at points when he would usually jump up, he did not. He was calm and he was good and he was respectful. He would, he did really well. The problem is, is that he was also depressed. <laughs> he was very mopey. Did you notice that? Yeah. He was kind of sad almost. Like he got his favorite thing taken away from him. So I don't know. We were the killer of dreams for Mr. Henry. Right. And he likes to use his mouth to to herd. So when he does that, we just stop moving. And, you know, we don't say anything. We just stop moving and we ignore him. And he's gotten the hint that that's not right either. Sometimes he's like, okay, and he like lays down and relaxes. And other times he's like, this is BS. (laughs) Yeah. I, this sucks. He gets really upset because he just, he wants the attention. Um. When he gets really rowdy and sassy and salty, we will um, take, if we're like in our bedroom in the morning getting ready, we take the the baby gate and put him on the other side of the gate. I mean, he's literally six inches. Feet, six, yeah, he's six inches away from us. He's so close, but he's on the opposite side of the gate, so he can't jump up. And he just, he, then he lays down and once he's calm, he's allowed to come back in the bedroom and we start over. Um, and you just have to do it over and over and over until they figure it out. That's and how I think you... he's got it figured out, but he still is like, I know what this means, but I disagree. Yeah. So he, he strongly disagrees. Yeah. So when we open the gate up and he comes back in, he does it again. So he just. You just have to start over. So if you have a dog that jumps, just turn your back and ignore them. They're not going to enjoy that. (laughs) They're going to actually hate it a lot. But if you keep doing it and don't say anything, they will get the hint that you do not like the jump up thing. And it does work. And it's helpful because his little, he's got very nice little paws, but his nails are pretty sharp and... He pulls once he jumps up with those. So us doing this is good for any future older young people that he sees. And it also saves our arms from looking like we're cutters. Yeah, he's um he's getting the hint. Uh, for dogs who won't come inside, who are being stubborn, apparently this is a thing that happens. We've never had this happen with dogs before. Um, we're practicing the method of we put his harness and leash by the door and when he won't come inside we 
go out to him and put his harness on him. And then we will run him around one lap around our backyard, which our backyard is very small. And we'll be very exuberant and excited with him and run him around and then run right directly inside. So he doesn't associate it with the with the whole harness and leash thing is coming directly inside. He associates it with it as fun and happy. And maybe he, I don't know, and his little brain doesn't realize what's happening, but we come right inside, sit, he gets a treat. We take the harness off and we just move quickly on with our lives. So we're hoping that eventually we can just run him around the yard without the harness. He will come inside automatically. That is the goal. Whether or not that's going to happen, I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. Yeah. That we have a pretty good track record. And by we, I mean you. Yes. These are the trainings we're doing. Um, He does have some fear aggression. How does that manifest itself for those who aren't familiar with that? He is possessive of our backyard he gets barky and possessive of the fence so if anyone comes to the fence he is not he's not like aggressive like you would think of a dog like bitey and stuff like that but he does bark and it it can be intimidating so what we've started to do is if a neighbor comes up to the backyard the back fence we give them treats to give him. And that has worked pretty well. He has kind of accepted that people come to the fence and they give him treats and then he gets pet. And so maybe the fence isn't so bad, but it's hit and miss. It's a work in progress. Treats work better than yelling. Yeah, we don't yell in our house. We, we don't do that. But he does get a lot of treats. So again, if you're giving your dog a lot of treats, you got to adjust the kibble. Or you need to walk them a lot more. Yeah. And he does get a lot of exercise. That's because of me. I'm amazing. How much exercise does he get a day? It varies, but usually one to two hours. We walk two miles in the morning, two miles in the evening, and plenty of playtime in between. Plus, every single time I go up and down the stairs during a day, he follows me. So I'm sure he's getting at least a couple calories in there, too. So exercise is important. Tomorrow, we're going swimming. He has his first swim lesson, and we're hoping we can start him on dock diving. The swimming lady is really, really good with dogs. I'm really curious to see how he does, or if he's like, oh, heck no. Mina loved swimming, but she was not all about it at first. Yeah, she was a bit hesitant. It will be interesting to see how Hank does in the water and if we can get him to jump off the dock. I think that if anyone can do it, Beth can. So I'm hopeful that he'll take to it because... And swimming is amazing exercise for dogs, right? Yeah. Yep. It is very good. Yeah. We've decided that Clementine does not have to go in the water tomorrow because she hates it. Yeah. She's just a, 
hang out with people, have a good time kind of a gal. Yeah, it is not her jam. She hangs out by the pool. She doesn't hang out in the pool. Yeah, she's not a she's not a pool person. Pool dog. She's not a pool dog. So. She's cool, but she's not a pool dog. Yeah. So if you have uh, questions about training, I like three different online trainers. Zach George, Victoria Stillwell, and Ian from Simpatico Dog Training. They all have free content. I do not pay for dog training advice. Usually I just Google it, but if pretty much if you have a question about dog training, you can find it on one of their websites. It's pretty good advice. I mean, our dogs are pretty well behaved and well, for the most part, they're pretty <laughs> yeah. well behaved. They they are. I mean, if if we compare it to other dogs who we considered having becoming part of our family, how poorly they were behaved or other dogs that we've encountered out in public at dog parks and things like that. Our dogs are pretty good. Yeah. So you can go there and figure it out. And yeah, that's it. That's a pretty comprehensive list, but a good one. Yeah. If only you had had your podcast to listen to before you started knowing all of this stuff. I know, right? I probably, I don't know. I'd probably get bored with myself and wouldn't want to listen to me <laughs> drone on. This lady, I can't believe her. She thinks she knows everything about dogs. Go on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's just because you're really into exploring and understanding things for yourself, which is very respectable. Yeah. I love you, Nicole. Mm-hmm. You too, honey. Even if I was a Shiba Inu? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I'd, I'd buy that Dodge coin. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, I think that's it for another awesome episode. Until next week or possibly the week after, we hope you have uh, good travels and good podcast listening. Until then, we'll talk to you later. Goodbye.